0: Well, very good morning to you. Um, first of all, I am so surprised that there's this number of people here. You see, this is middle of August, and um, where we lived before in Peterborough, is not exactly a holiday destination. So, you know, you sort of get to August, and the church sort of, you know, sort of just drifts away, and they all go on holiday. So I'm a little bit concerned, because I'm doing some things a little bit differently this morning, and my first concern is that when we come to do something at the front here, there might be not enough little cups for everyone. So if that's the case, then husbands and wives, you may have to just share, and it's only a little cup, so the second one isn't going to get a lot. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? What you're thinking is, why have they allowed Peter to come and do the talk today? Because he hasn't been here for the past five weeks. We're sure he's a backslider, right? (laughs) Right? And not only that, his Suffolk accent is rubbish. (laughs) Let me address both of those things, if I may. So I do apologise for not having been around for a little bit. Um, Many of you know that I work with the Leprosy Mission. Uh, I work with the Leprosy Mission International, but the UK office has had a bit of a crisis on numbers of people being able to go out and speak in different churches. So they've asked a number of us uh, in the international that we would do some speaking in various churches. So that's part of why I've not been around and we also had a couple of, um, of family events as well. So that's dealt with that one. So I'm not a backslider, okay? You've got that bit. Uh, in fact, I'm now around for a long time. Hooray. Yeah, thank you. That's, uh, thank you. Bless you. That's fine. That's good. Um, I will help you as we go along. Uh, we're going to do the talk in three parts this morning and intersperse that with, with some songs which reflect what we've just heard. So that's, that's the pattern. So if you're thinking what Earth's going on, what is he doing? That's what we're doing. So the second thing about this Suffolk accent, when I read the last couple of verses in Habakkuk, my Suffolk accent comes out perfectly because the last couple of verses in Habakkuk says, though the fig tree does not blossom. right? <laughs> right? So that's where my Suffolk accent comes from. Um, now, just before we get into this, uh, I just need to. I forgot to bring a ten-pound note this morning. I want to use it as, as an illustration. If anyone's got a ten-pound note in their wallet or their purse, could you just extract it and just hold on to it? I'm not going to ask you to give it to me, right? Um, so if you could do that, that would be great. Thank you. So <clears throat> because I've been away for a while, I thought that I'd better check that you're still, you know, all sanctified and, and on board. So I just want to do a quick Bible knowledge. So which book of the Bible is this? very good okay and this one the, okay some people are a bit slow right the book of acts very good okay this one numbers, numbers? okay uh, so far Jim has got three right <laughs> Jim be quiet okay All right thank you the book of numbers and this one No, <laughs> the book of romance, right, not, not romance, right, there's no such book as romance, It's romance, very good, the book of Romans, and that's where we're going to start this morning. There is a fabulous passage in the book of Romans that talks about our relationship with God, and I want to read this passage now, and we're going to read it again at the end, having thought about what God has done to make that relationship possible, okay? So, I'm just going to put this up and I'll read this to you. So, Paul says to the Romans, starting in uh, Romans 8, verse 28 to 39, We know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, those who he, he has called according to his purpose, those whom God has already chosen, he has set apart, to become like his son so that the son would be the first amongst many believers and so those whom god set apart he called and those he called he put right with himself and he shared his glory with them in view of all this what can we say if god is for us who can be against us certainly not god who did not even keep back his own son, but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. He will, he, will he not also freely, forgive, uh, freely give us all things? Who will accuse God's chosen people? God himself declares them not guilty. Who then will condemn them? Not Christ Jesus, who died, or rather, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of, the, of God, pleading, uh, pleading with him for us. So who then can separate us from the love of God? Can trouble do it? Or hardship or persecution or hunger or poverty or danger or death? As the scripture says, for for your sake we are in danger of death at all times. We are treated like sheep that are going to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we have complete victory through him who loves us. For I am certain that nothing can separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers, neither the present nor the future, neither the world above nor the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that through your word, you enlighten us about who you are and about your love for us. And I pray this morning, Lord, for myself, I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters gathered here, Lord, that we will understand more about what it is you have done for us and this incredible relationship that is possible because of what you have done and how you have sealed that relationship. So, Lord, just, uh, let your Holy Spirit come and speak to each as they need to be spoken to, Lord, open up our hearts and our ears, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. That is an amazing passage. And it's linked to a word in the Bible called covenant. Now, sometimes words carry a whole meaning around them. You hear the word and you think, my word, you, know, you understand something that is deep in there. Let me give you an, an example If I put this word up here, Concord, I'd like you just to turn to your neighbour and think about what does that word say to you? Concord. What does it mean to you, Concord? Are you you guys okay standing here? Because it'll be about 10, 10, 15 minutes on each section. So do feel free to grab a seat. Okay, that, that's enough, all right. Um, so Concorde, what, just give me, so we've got like three banks of, of, of seats here. This is by far the biggest seat, so just give me, yes, Edward, just. Perfect, I'll come back to that. Okay, okay, someone from the middle? Some, what did you think when you said Concorde? Aeroplane, Aeroplane. okay. And over here, something, Concorde? Now, this group are definitely the dimmest today, okay? But that's okay. So, first of all, you tend to think about aeroplane, right? Okay, Uh, uh, settle down, right? Right, right. I realize that it's exciting, right? But it's not that exciting, okay? So, concord, but behind that word, there's a whole stream of things. Uh, There is this whole relationship, right? The word concord was because... For once, we actually did something with the French, right? That actually was quite good. Normally, we fight the French, right? They're our natural enemies, right? In history, I'm talking about history, right? not now, of course, um, uh, but you know, not yet. <laughs> <Who said that? laughs> yeah, okay, hang on, I'm doing the talk, right? Right? No ad-libbing. But it also there's an elegance about Concord. Uh, I remember being on a conference once at a hotel that overlooked the um, Heathrow. And just as they were, they were bringing the aircraft out from the hangar, the whole of the class sort of went up. You know, we were um, it was a work course, not children, but a you know, work uh, conference. And we all sort of stood at the windows to watch this aeroplane. Right? I don't know if any of you ever saw it fly, but you'd stop and you'd watch this thing. So Concorde has a lot of, it's not just an aeroplane, there's so much more to it. And so it is with the word covenant. If we, <coughs> if we were to say the word covenant to the Jews in the Old Testament and to the early Christians, they would understand that it isn't just like a, an agreement. Uh, it's not like just shaking hands on the, you know, you've done a deal. I used to work at the Stock Exchange in London for 10 years, and uh, when deals were struck, they'd sometimes shake hands, but actually just the spoken word would be enough to clinch the deal. The Latin for, um, the, the, the Latin logo for the stock exchange is uh, dictum meum pactum, which is my word is my bond. So if you agreed to do a deal, you would do it anyway. Um, so there's that. Sometimes we talk about contracts being signed. When we sold our house in Peterborough to buy the house in Wennerston to move here, we had to sign... A piece of paper, in fact, many pieces of paper, to sell the house to the people in Peterborough that were buying it and to buy the house that we bought in Weniston. So you sometimes have contracts that you have to sign. Sometimes we think about marriage as a special covenant, it's a sort of a contract. Because when people get married, two people stand in front of one another and the service is led, and one of them says, um, Do you give all of your worldly goods to this person? And you say, "I do." I remember saying that. I did. I said that to Sue. I said, "You know, all my worldly goods I thee endow." It's a bit of an old-fashioned word now, and I'm not, I wasn't quite sure what I was saying. I've learned since what I've said, right? And and Sue said the same to me, right? Which was nice. So it's you know, it's it was equal. That's great. But in the new Te- in, the, in the New Testament, in the biblical times, covenant was more than just an agreement. It was a covenant of unequal partners for a a kickoff. The Greek word is diatheke. Now, I only know three words of Greek. I know kebab, moussaka, and diatheke, right? And diatheke is the one you're going to learn today. It's really important to understand that this covenant, this contract, this agreement that we have between us and God is not equal. In fact, it's very unequal. And... What have we got to give to an almighty God? What could he possibly want from us? And yet, he initiates this covenant, he initiates, he starts this agreement off, and and when God makes promises, he keeps his promises. Let me explain a little bit about this unequal relationship. Um, <clears throat> has anyone got that £10 note that you mentioned? Uh, has anyone got a £10 note? Okay. Janet... has. No, no, stay there, Janet. No, I... I, I okay. Um, if I had two £5 notes, nice blue ones, two, and I said to Janet... Now, actually, was that your money, Janet, or was that Chris's? Oh, it's Janet's money, because she she took it out of Chris's pocket. Yeah? <laughs> Do you remember I said about when you get married, you know, what's yours is mine, and et cetera? Well, I thought that was... Yeah. Uh, there you go. Perfect. Right. So Janet, if I, if I had two five-pound notes here and I said to you, would you exchange these two for that one, what would you say? Perfect. You see? That's an agreement. If I only had one five-pound note, right? but it's a nice one, it's blue, that's just brown and horrible, right? it's just nasty, the blue one is much prettier. If I said to Janet, I've got this blue piece of plastic Would you swap it for that brown piece of plastic? Would you still do that? I know. See? (laughs) Yeah. The trouble with doing illustrations with Christians, right? (laughs) Right. What if I said, Janet, that um, I've got a lovely blank sheet of paper here, which is bigger than that, okay? Okay. Right? Would you still exchange that with this? Thank you. Uh, Well done. That's what I wanted you to say, Janet. I should have primed you. So that's the issue, okay? God is giving us things, but what have we got to give back to him? So part of covenant is three elements to it. The first one is a sharing or an exchange. When people went into a covenant relationship, they did an exchange, we're then going to look at... I'm not sure if this is... No, that's okay. I, was gonna, I thought I might have all three up in one go. Then we're going to look at how that covenant is sealed, and then we're going to have a look about how that covenant or is celebrated. And that's what all this is about, by the way. Right? So we're getting to this point about celebrating this covenant. Okay, so sharing and an exchange. So two parties, they enter into an agreement, they come into a covenant relationship, and they share things. They share resources they share friends, they share enemies, and one typical thing that they did was they exchanged coats. Now, why did they used to do that? Now, we don't tend to do that anymore. When I sold my house in Peterborough, I didn't give my, the purchaser of my house my coat as well, because that wasn't that sort of relationship. But in, in, old, in olden times, and, and even quite recently, uh, they would exchange coats, and that's because coats would have a colour and colours were important because colours denoted who you belonged to, who you were in relationship with. Right? The Scots, for example, where's Margaret, right? The Scots have various sort of tartans, so you know which clan you belong to. I belong to the Walker family line, so there is a Walker tartan. I'm not Scottish. You can tell by my Suffolk accent, right, <laughs> that I'm not Scottish, armies and regiments have colors in fact colors are very important in the military Um, my father was in the Suffolk Regiment and the colors for the Suffolk Regiment are a dark maroon and gold and he had a tie he was very proud of his tie. Um, and Dick was in the guards and Dick would know the color of your regiment wouldn't you Dick yeah come on Dick share it what color Maroon and purple. There you go. Bra- see, colors are really important. It was very important when the armies used to fight one another in open battle because you need to know who you are fighting against. And so um, you would see in old films, particularly colored films, where the armies were in different colors. Now, fashion trends today um, often have sort of colors, or if not colors, they have labels. It says something about you, and, and you want to belong. One of the ways that colours is used very much today is in school uniforms. Now, this school has a colour. If you look at the pictures up here, you can see that they're wearing blue ties and a black, uh, sort of probably a dark um, black or navy blazer. Um, My school colours, my secondary school colours, were these uh, sort of maroon. Um, The important bit on this scarf is actually this yellow stripe. The yellow stripe denoted that I went to the boys' school. If it was white, I would have gone to the girls' school and I wasn't allowed to do that. Right? In fact, in our day, there the boys were on one side of the school and the girls on the other. There was barbed wire and machine gun nests down the middle <laughs> and you weren't allowed to talk. Right? right? Even at the school gate, we were told you don't speak to the girls until you're down the road a bit. Okay? So I'd like you just to turn to your neighbour and just talk to them about what you remember about the colour of your school uniform. Go. Good. Okay, let's uh, come back together. Did anyone have a really interesting color? I mean, Sue, Sue's junior school was really interesting. It was sort of, how would you describe it? It was sort of purpley color, purple and white, very pretty. I didn't know her then, um, you know, we didn't start going out when she was in primary school, it's okay, right? right. Does anyone else have an interest in colour? Maroon and silver Andy, wow that, that sounds pretty special, very good. So colours are important and people would exchange robes so that they knew that they were in relationship with one another. Okay, so that's the point. The exchange of the coat of a certain colour showed that you now belonged to that other group. Have you ever wondered why Joseph's brothers ever got upset about his coat of many colours? Have you ever thought about that? Why did they get upset about having a coat of many colours? Well, I think there's possibly two reasons. The first one... Do you remember that Joseph also had dreams about how he was going to lord it over his brothers? He was going to be, the, even though he wasn't the oldest, and the oldest is really important. I'm the youngest brother, my brother, by the way. I've got one other brother, and I'm the youngest, and he always used to lord it over me. So if you're the youngest, you have my sympathy. If you're the oldest in your family, the right, right? So Joseph wasn't, it wasn't the oldest, And yet he had these dreams that he was going to be the one who was going to rule over the family. So two things could have happened, okay, with this coat of many colors. One is that Jacob, his father, was actually saying to all the brothers, I'm giving Joseph all of the alliances that I have made with all the other groups. So each group would have had a color. And I'm giving him the the alliances I have, I'm giving to Joseph. Or, more probably, I think, it was a way of saying that you, Joseph, are head of the family and you are head over all of the other brothers. And that's why they got upset. So what is it, then, with diatheki and the covenant and this, this exchange with God? Because this is the bit that I wanted to get to. Well, when we become Christians, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Saviour, recognising that he died on the cross for us, recognizing that we have sin and we need to say sorry for our sin, and we ask the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives, there is an exchange of garments that occurs at that moment. Now, it's not a physical exchange, it's a spiritual exchange. And the spiritual exchange is this, that your garment of sin is taken off you, and God puts on you a garment of righteousness. It's a robe of righteousness, a garment of righteousness instead of sin. You see, we can't be righteous ourselves. The Bible clearly says that. We can't, get, we can't make ourselves right. We have to receive righteousness. Now, that's really amazing because in the heavenly places, when people look at you, they don't see your Marks and Spencers blouse or your Primark t-shirt, right? Or even this rather nice little shirt that I've got on today what the heavenly hosts see when you accept Christ into your life when they look at you they don't see your sin they see you clothed in royal robes in a righteous robe now we don't know what colour righteousness is but we sort of you know if you think of it as as glorious at least uh, because a couple of verses that says this the angel said to those who were standing um, before him take off His filthy clothes, sin. See, I have taken away your sin and I put rich garments on you. A couple of verses in Isaiah. I will sing for joy in God, explode in praise from deep in my soul. He dressed me up in a suit of salvation. So it's okay, guys. You can wear a suit if you don't want to wear a dress. That's fine, right? He dressed me up in a suit of salvation. He clothed me in a robe of righteousness, a garment of praise, instead of despair, a garment of splendor. So we have had, this is the first part of this covenant exchange, right? That when God says, you are my child, you have accepted me, then the first part of the deal, right, is that he takes off this garment of sin and gives us a garment of praise. Let's sing a song, and as we sing this song, I want you to think about what we've just heard and there is a line in this song that just ought to touch your heart as we sing this together. Sing, King of Kings, Majesty. Our gratitude, maybe one or two people, just like to pray our gratitude to God for this amazing exchange that has occurred, that has clothed us in His righteousness. Do take your seats. Thank you. So that's the first aspect of this covenant, this agreement, this incredible exchange that uh, has happened, is that there is this exchange of our sin for his righteousness. The second aspect of covenant is actually how that covenant is sealed. And it's actually sealed by the shedding of blood. Now, the Hebrew word for covenant actually means to cut a covenant. You actually physically cut a covenant. You don't write it, you don't draw it, you cut it. And various cultures have a blood ritual, which is that when you make agreements with with other people, you actually make a cut, normally on your arm, and then you hold the two arms together and it's like a symbol of an exchange now that is abhorrent to us in this day of understanding HIV AIDS and plastic gloves right because we understand that there's all sorts of blood-borne diseases but nevertheless that's how people used to reckon, they used to make this exchange they had this agreement and then they would exchange these like these cuts now We have a remnant of that in our language today. Um, Sometimes when you're making an important or a costly agreement, sometimes we say, oh, I'm signing this in my blood. I'm signing it all away. Um, We changed Sue's car uh, back in October last year, and when I saw the price, I thought, I'm signing my life away in my blood here. Um, But we needed to change it. Obviously, we don't literally sign in blood. There are reports of the missionary, David Livingston, who went into Africa and he did a big tour of Africa, bringing the gospel to all sorts of different people. And the reports are that when he met a new tribe and he shared the gospel with them, they would expect him to make a a covenant relationship with them and that he would sometimes actually go through their ritual and actually make a cut in their arms. If you go on Google and look at this, it's fascinating. Now, what happened then was that sometimes when he met a new tribe, if they threatened him, all he would do was to hold up his arm and they would see that he's got all these different covenant relationships. Because once you're in covenant relationship with someone, your enemies are their enemies. So they would learn not to touch him um, in terms of that. So why blood? What's all this thing about blood? In the Old Testament... Uh, There were lots of shedding of blood at various times in order to atone, that's a very funny word, in order to make payment for sin. We don't have that now because Christ has done it once for all. So we don't have to bring our, our lambs and our doves and our pigeons and our cattle into here and slaughter them because Christ has done that on the cross. He shed his blood for us on the cross. But it says this, for the life of the creature is in the blood. You know, we sometimes think about, you know, if someone's bleeding a lot, you want to stop the bleeding because we know that physically life is in the blood. And and I have given, given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Now, that is still echoed even into the New Testament, right? When Jesus said this in Matthew, he took the cup... Right, that's the, the, the cup. We're going we're to share cups this morning and I'm sort of hoping we've got enough, as I said earlier. Um, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, drink it, all of it, all of you. This is my blood. It's not literally his blood. Right? This is the symbol of his blood which seals God's covenant. In other words, this covenant relationship is sealed, is signed for, is agreed finally by the shedding of blood. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. He couldn't just have lived out the rest of his life in ministry. He had to shed his blood for us. That's why when we come to what we call communion or Eucharist or whatever you want to call it, that's why we have this wine. Now this is actually grape juice. It's not, it's not alcoholic wine. That's why we share that together as a reminder of this because it, seals, it has sealed our relationship with God. So that was Jesus at the Last Supper. So when this covenant is brought, there's an exchange. We exchange our garment of sin for a garment of righteousness, and that is sealed, that covenant is sealed by the shedding of blood. We're going to sing another couple of songs, okay, Um, and in singing them, as we sing them, look at the lines, and when we get to the lines that talk about this, remember, this is important because it seals the covenant relationship with God. When we do that, we'll come back and we'll look at the, the final part of this covenant relationship. Mel, can you, can you just leave that one up for a moment? Just leave that there. Do you see how that last verse has brought those two things that we've talked about together? Right? That if we are clothed in his righteousness, it covers us. Now, I don't want to be indiscreet, but you don't know what colour pants I'm wearing today, do you? And you don't want to know, right? That's because these trousers are covering my pants, right? You can see my socks, but you can't see my underwear. And that's the, the concept of us being clothed in righteousness, right? Is that when we stand before God, he doesn't see us below what, what's underneath. He sees us clothed in his righteousness, that's what that's saying there. Our soul is purchased with his blood, so it's sealed with his blood, right? But our life is hid. Our sin is hid from God. Right? It's like he can't, hide, he can't see it. And not only that, the angels, when they look at us, they don't see us like we see ourselves. They see us clothed in righteousness. If we accept Christ as our Lord and our Saviour, that's the important bit in all of this, of course. We have to accept Christ into our lives for this to happen. Right? So thank you. So we'll go on to the next bit. I'll pick up the... Uh, oh. <clears throat> right, thank you, Mel. So the first two parts then were this exchange, garment of sin for a, a, a robe of righteousness, that it's now sealed in blood. Okay? The third thing that would happen when people entered into a covenant relationship is that they would share a meal together. Now, we often share meals together. We We go around one another's houses and we enjoy that sign of friendship. You probably don't go and have a meal with your worst enemy. Some of you may do, but probably you don't. Normally you go and have a meal with your friends. It's a sign of a friendship, agreement. It's a pleasant experience. Sue and I are open to invitations at any time, right? If you don't invite us, we'll assume that you think that we're your enemy, right? Right? Well, dodgy stuff, okay. Now, sometimes meals are grand affairs, right? So when heads of state come to this country, the Queen, who's head of state, invites them to Buckingham Palace, and they do a big thing, right? Now, you can't quite see it where you are But there is a chair just about there that's slightly out of alignment. And whoever put that out will get told off because they are very strict about where they put the glasses and the forks and the knives and all that stuff. So sometimes banquets are very formal. They have nice food. And it's a statement to other countries that the people that we are inviting are our friends and we have a meal together. So the meal is not just a good thing, it's an outward sign. It's not just about the people eating the food, it's an outward sign to other people that we are in relationship, in treaty or agreement. If you think about the heads of state that come over here, and the recent one, of course, was the head of state from America and some people didn't like the fact that he went to eat with the Queen, but, you know, whatever... It was an outward sign that we are still in this relationship with the United States of America. So it is for the meal at the end of a covenant. It was a, bad, it was a statement to not just about the meal itself, it was a statement to other people outwardly that this meal is about friends who are in relationship eating together. <coughs> this is um, I just want to read this uh, little portion here from uh, Corinthians. It says, this is, we've been going through Corinthians um, in the church and uh, what that's called is called expository teaching. When you take a passage and you expound the passage, today is much more about thematic teaching, so we're taking a theme. But this is the verse that we will come to this passage shortly in our, in our look at Corinthians. But I just want to read this to you. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took some bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper... He did the same thing with the cup. He said, "This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me." What you must do solemnly, but what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and your actions, the death of the Master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the Master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. So one aspect of this meal that we share together, and we do so regularly as a church, and different different churches do it in different ways, sometimes they call it the Eucharist or Holy Communion, or breaking of bread, or the Lord's table—doesn't matter what you call it—we do it because we want to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. But that isn't the only reason we do it. We do it also as an outward sign to the heavenly pla- in heavenly places. So there is this bread and this wine. There's a verse in Psalms, Psalm 23, verse five. That's a bit out of place because Psalm 23 is all about sheep. And then suddenly, the psalmist, David, puts this in. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. As we come and share this bread and this meal together, and it's a celebratory thing, which is why we've also got chocolate today, by the way, because it's, it's a celebration. Right? It's not a memorial, it's a celebration. Um, don't eat the fruit, by the way, that's just for decoration. Okay? but this is a celebration, okay? And it's an outward sign to the heavenly, pe- heavenly, heavenly places that we, you and me, are in this covenant relationship with God. When Satan sees us do this, when he sees us pick up this piece of bread, right, and he sees us pick up this wine and we drink it, he trembles because he says these guys are in relationship they've got this covenant relationship with the almighty God. He sees us clothed in righteousness and he doesn't like it. That's why, if you think about the history of the church, what is the one thing that has caused split and schism all over the place? It's it's this. That's why Roman Catholics and Protestants, and we're Protestants because we're not Roman Catholics, they, they don't share. You can't, if you go to a Roman Catholic church, you wouldn't be invited to participate normally. Right? Now, there's lots of changes going on. And also, Roman Catholics coming to us normally wouldn't participate in this because they, there's all sorts of teaching that's going on coming from the devil himself to split us apart. He doesn't want us to do this. He doesn't want us to remind him on a Sunday morning at 20 to 12, and we'll do it quickly soon, Right? He doesn't want to remind us that we are in covenant relationship with God. He doesn't want to be reminded of that. So he has damaged this. And that's why um, Paul says, uh, just going, I'll just flip, quickly flick back to the end of that bit in Corinthians, right? you must never let familiarity breed contempt. Right? Don't allow this to become, oh yeah, we're doing communion today. No! We're not just doing communion. We are making a, heavenly, a spiritually heavenly statement here. We are saying to the enemy of God, we are in relationship with the almighty God, the God who made heaven and earth. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are, are children of the living God. It's okay not to get excited. I understand, you know, you're English. And, you know, I'm doing my best here. But you know we are in relationship with the living God, and Satan doesn't like it. He doesn't want us to do this. When I was worked for Prison Fellowship, um, I, I worked in prison for twenty years, and we, we had a number of countries that would get together every two or three years from all over the world, and we worked out a way of having Roman Catholic um, people from Roman Catholic countries, like particularly South America and Protestants, us, for Europeans, how we could have communion together on the the last thing on a Sunday morning. And we worked all that out, right? In 1995, in Washington, D.C., we had an international gathering, for the very first time, the Orthodox priests came from Eastern Europe because the wall had come down, and they came. They wouldn't even stay in the room with us as we were trying to do this. They, they, they prayed a blessing over us, and then they left the room, because the enemy has got into this thing and ruined it for the church, right? Because he doesn't like it. So when we come to do this, I want you to remember Jesus, but I also want you to celebrate. Right? I want you to pick up that piece of bread, and it's a big piece. Right? I want you to take one of these cups, and I want you to say, "Yes. Right? I am clothed in righteousness." Jesus has shed his blood for me, the deal is done. This meal is a celebration of the covenant relationship that we have with God. It's a table spread before us in the presence of our enemies. We can't see him, we can't see the enemy host around us, but they look at us, do this, and they tremble because this is an outward sign to them in the heavenly places that we are in covenant relationship with God. We started off by reading this passage from Romans. And I just want us to read this together. So we're going to read out this part together, okay? And think about what we've talked about in terms of covenant relationship, okay? So let's read this together. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it, or hardship, or persecution, or hunger... Or poverty, or danger, or death. No, in all these things we have complete victory through Him who loved us. For I am certain that nothing can separate us from His love neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers, neither the present nor the future neither the world above nor the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours, through our Lord Christ. Amen. So we remember what Christ has done for us, his death, his resurrection, his sacrifice, the exchange of robes, clothed in his righteousness, wearing the garment of splendor instead of sin, His blood has been given uh, even to death to exchange and seal that relationship. And then the sharing of this meal, which we're going to do shortly as we declare his covenant, this unequal covenant. Don't forget, this is an unequal covenant. It's God that's done it all for us. So let's uh, sing one song and then I'll come back and we'll have a time just around this celebratory meal take your seats so in a moment what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to invite you to come and participate in this celebration right? Uh, to take some bread and some grape juice um, and also take a chocolate right? because this is celebration Uh, just one chocolate each please and and I'm sure we've got enough so I don't think you'll need to share Um, what we'll do is we'll sing a song and uh, I'll invite this bank of people to come up, otherwise it will be total chaos, right? So I'll invite this bank of people to come. So quickly take your bread and your cup. You can take the cup back if you want, or you can drink it here, and just put the, the empty one in there, and uh, grab a chocolate as well. And then I'll invite this group, and then, and then this group after that, okay? There is a real danger with what I've been sharing today. And the danger is this that it all sits in your head and doesn't drop into your heart. And I was pondering this. And so what I want to do is I just want us to have a few moments of quiet reflection where you can individually just pray over for yourself this concept of covenant. Maybe it will be a prayer of thanks. Maybe it will be prayer of, Lord, I just want to realize again that I have covered in this robe of righteousness Maybe you want to say thank you for his blood. So just a moment of quiet where you can personally just respond to what you've heard this morning. Father, thank you that you minister to us. And thank you that your Holy Spirit is brooding over this gathering this morning. And my prayer for my brothers and sisters gathered here, Lord, is that you would cause their hearts to be warmed by the knowledge of all that you have done for us through Christ. As we look at this table, Lord, we also thank you that Christ did sacrifice himself for us. As we take this bread, Lord, we do remember his body broken. As we share this wine, Lord, we remember his blood shed that sealed that covenant with you. Lord, we are so grateful. But we also come this morning, Father, as an outward sign to the heavenly places that this is a glorious moment. It is not something which we shy away from, Lord. It's not a sad thing. This is a glorious moment of celebration as we share this together and we remind the heavenly hosts that we are in covenant relationship with the Almighty God. We are his children, clothed in his righteousness. It's a declaration in the heavenly places that we are in relationship with the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, not through anything that we have done, Father, but because of your unequal diatheque covenant of grace to us. Amen. So I'm going to ask Andrew and the band to come, and um, we're going to sing this song together, and uh, we'll remain seated to sing, and then I will just invite folks to come. It will be a little bit chaotic, but parties are. You the best parties I've ever been to have been chaotic, right? The worst parties I've been to is where everyone sits on the side and, you know, no one ever does anything. So this is going to be a little bit of fun, right? I'm just telling you now, it's going to be a little bit of fun, right? So take the bread, take the wine, do whatever you want to do by way of your own personal response, but do take a chocolate and celebrate. Okay, so Andrew, when you're ready, and then I will invite you to come. this table and just as we do so we'll allow the band to play that song again but if there are specific things that you would like prayer for either as a result of something you've heard this morning or maybe you're not sure whether you are in this covenant relationship with God maybe you can't remember a time or maybe you've drifted away from him and you want to renew that relationship with him then I would just invite you to come and if you come and stand out here someone will just come and pray with you it might be for something else it might be you want a touch in your life for healing, it might be a touch in your life for somebody else, it might be that you are concerned for somebody else so allow someone to come and stand alongside you and pray. So the band are going to play again um, and once we've finished, we've finished okay? um, it's sort of, it's a bit of a messy ending really we should have our, you know, the end up on the screen or something, but um, we aren't. So just as the band play, uh, feel free to come forward for prayer. If you want to sit and chat to people, if you want to go and do something else, that's absolutely fine. Bless you for coming. Remember that you are in a remarkable covenant relationship. You are clothed in righteousness. When the enemy looks at you, he sees this gloriousness of Christ. He doesn't see us with all our sin because there's been that exchange. Because Christ died on the cross for us, that's a done deal. When God makes his promises, he keeps his promises. It's a done deal. And we have shared in celebration together, and we have made a statement in the heavenly places this morning that we... Uh, this little old group in Suffolk here, including visitors by the way and I don't know whether we, whether we welcomed you or not, it's a bit late isn't it you know, at the end, right? or oh, if you're a visitor this morning welcome, yeah, sorry about that, but you know, if you're visiting as well you, know, you are welcome to participate in this, so as the band plays right, we're just going to, I just invite you to come and folks will come uh, Group house group leads, if you see people standing uh, um, Nick and Carolyn will come and just come and pray, so so just let me pray blessing upon you father we thank you that you just delight in blessing us so i pray lord for my brothers and sisters here this morning that they will be blessed in the knowledge that you have given us this morning of your blood sacrifice for us i pray lord that in every area of their lives they will be blessed so go in peace to love and serve our lord jesus christ and with that the people said Amen. Amen.